0: You're listening to the Funny Women's Survival Guide, the uplifting tongue in cheek podcast where we chat to British comedy's funniest females in an attempt to cheer up and entertain the nation in these uncertain times. And here's your host, Alexis Strum. Welcome to the show. I think it's around day 100. We're approaching day 100 of lockdown, aren't we? Maybe that's next Monday. Are you going to celebrate? I feel like a party is in order. Um, Today on the show, we've got two fab young comedy stars. We've got Elf Lyons, um, who is just a magnificent clown and performer. I've seen her a couple of times and love her work. And we also have Lauren Patterson, who was the Edinburgh Best Newcomer nominee 2017. Um, And she's best known for conversations against living miserably and for being a fab fantastic Geordie Lass. And we do love a Geordie on this show. Um, And we chat to them with Kate Stone from Funny Women. And we cover the gamut of pandemic nonsense. So (laughs) enjoy. Welcome to the show, Elf and Lauren. Hiya, girls. Hello. Hello. And we've got Kate Stone joining us from Funny Women. Hi, Kate. Hello, hi.
1: You could tell I'm so excited to be chatting to three other women who are not my <laughs> mum or my grandmother.
0: <laughs> if but you wanted like us to be got... like your mum, what would we do? What would we say to make it more like I mean, your mum? I mean, at
1: the moment, she she keeps on complaining about how we've all put on weight in lockdown. She's like, I just don't understand how we put on weight because we're, we're not eating much. And I'm like, literally all she cooks with is cream and butter. And I don't know who's bought the chocolate, but it's always there. And or I saw her drinking from the bottle from Sherry the other day. She was like, oh, she was just sat there sitting up at the (laughs) table just drinking. She'll hate the fact that I've mentioned this.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think that's cool. I remember when um, the lead singer of Keen ended up going to rehab for his sherry addiction. I remember thinking I
1: was quite without I saw Keane in Glastonbury. I went to Glastonbury for twenty four hours. I couldn't stand it. I did not like the festival at all. But the only time I enjoyed myself was when I watched Keen and Live. And it was when it was like who else was there? It was um uh, Ivor from Comedy um and Phil Wang. He ah. <laughs> was like the most all like the geekiest members of the comedy circuit were all <laughs> spread out in the audience watching Keen. Say what you want about King, but in terms of like delivering the goods, like it was a very well done set. Like he's really taking care of his voice.
0: It's <laughs> <laughs> all that sherry and the rehab All that he sorted himself out. And how are you yeah. this evening,
2: Lauren? I'm not bad, thank you. What have you been up to today? uh hard at work i am one of the comedians who has now got a new job and to be honest i bloody love it this is what
0: i want to hear so tell us more so this is real world real life irl job
2: right yes when did when did you get the new job can you talk about Um, what it is yes i started looking very quickly in the lockdown because this was before good old well i say good old he's not good old he's a big old tory but uh this is before rishi had announced any support for the self-employed so i was like well i'm gonna need to get a job and then he announced the support but he was like but you gotta wait three months for it and i was like no like i, I know it's not going to be a great deal of money and i don't want to not earn any money for three months so i've got it i think i started work about april and i've settled into a lovely little routine it's made my lockdown very very bearable to be honest
0: that's a great story and and what's the
2: banter like it's amazing like I work with lovely people I've got a set day where I get paid I've had two pay days since I've been there I'm about to have a third yeah I'm still waiting for comedy money for gigs I did in February and I'm like in what world like you forget how mad it is to you accept so many things in an arts job and then you go back to having like a regular normal job and you're like this shit would not fly <laughs> yeah <laughs> I have that's three interesting days. well I love it really love it I was finding lockdown quite a struggle until I got a job and it's just given me a bit given me a bit well a lot of independence it's given us more of a routine and just more of a social life as well which is brilliant
0: I think something I picked up on that you just said about what you what you're able to get away with and what people get away with in the arts world and i think the difference with working in a normal job is that there's processes like hr um you know if someone treats you like shit or doesn't pay you anything like that you've got a a chain and a process that those sort of issues can get ironed out but in in the entertainment world nothing Mm -hmm. like that no comedy union
2: no and I feel like in the arts world as well in the arts world but like in comedy it's like oh well I don't want to complain about this because it might stop me progressing I don't want to progress in the fucking supermarket so I don't care if I complain (laughs) (laughs) the
1: problem is as well with our industry is like no matter how many times we've tried to set up a union unions just in so many ways fail within the comedy industry because it's such a in some ways it's so reliant on self-interest it's you against everyone else it's inherently competitive it's like one of the most you know uh free market forms of like uh, working that you can do and that thing of going oh you know if we have a union to fight for equal pay and making sure it's fair and this and this and this no that will never happen because if you don't take the job There will always be someone who will do it for less Mm. and that's the thing the amount of times someone has said to me but if they're not paying you don't do the job because the amount of times i've been asked to do gigs which are like oh we pay you an exposure and (laughs) oh i really don't want to do the gig but then you've got management or someone behind you saying look it will be really good for you and if you don't do it someone else will so you might as well just take the risk and then you're like oh for god's sake so you end up being inherently part of the problem but it's but if you don't do it someone else will and nobody nobody cares if you said you didn't do it or you turned it down the gig will always still go ahead
2: exactly it's the same makes me sound really negative yeah so it's the same with pr in edinburgh when you have people say obviously pr is very very expensive so people are like well just don't get it just don't get it i'm not getting pr and it's like yes in an ideal world nobody would have pr but until nobody has pr Someone's always going to spend the money to have it or someone's agent is going to front the cost for them to have it. So It's all yeah. fine and well you being like I'm going to take a stand and not get PR this year but then the same 20 comics who can afford it will get it and it's like mm-hmm. well then it doesn't really make a difference me not having PR because Some people are still benefiting from
1: it. (laughs) Also, it sort of totally forgets how our industry again works. Like newspapers, media, the things that some people really want in comedy, which is to be like in the magazines or to be famous. You don't just get randomly selected by a journalist going, hey, I think you're great. (laughs) I'm going to write about you. No, because they're busy trying to write millions of articles for very little money, usually themselves. So they prefer it when someone emails them going, hey, here are five acts. Here are their pictures. Here's a little bit of a pitch about each of them. You can just copy and paste these. That's how they all work to help each other. So, I mean, it's just one of those bizarre ways of looking at PR is so valuable to the industry. I I just wish everyone was able to sit down and just tell people what they actually do. Yeah, (laughs) I just get really annoyed (laughs) because everybody's working really hard in their own world, but nobody really understands what anyone else is doing.
0: But I think Sorry, it's a great it to
1: talk to people. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you've got the insight there, and maybe that comes with distance. And I, I, I mean, I know Kate, you're still you're still very much working in the industry every day, working for Funny Women, and um, you know maybe your perception's slightly different. Um, but I think having that, getting us taking a step out of the industry for a bit. I mean, Elf, you were saying that you know your career's. we we were trying to think of the phrase it's frozen it's hibernating it's in stasis whatever I don't want to say over because it's not about that it's like it's a strange it's imploded (laughs) imploded but it's having that moment of distance where you can look back and say actually a lot of this was bullshit maybe the answer is to have a bit more autonomy in your career and then not have to always be reliant on these outside people and what's your perspective on this Kate from what you see Um, I think it's just
3: a lot of it is this has been quite awful and devastating for people that work in essentially an industry that needs to be live and it needs to have an audience so there's so much concern about what's happening I mean in my other job I work as a comedy programmer for three venues in Hampshire and we just don't know when we're going to be back and when we return, who's going to want to come audience wise or for me, I don't know what comedians will want to get on a train necessarily, you know, cause I'm concerned about people's safety. Um, but I'm also very aware that a lot of comedians have lost huge amounts of money and might be very keen to get back on the horse as it were, but I'm very concerned about, um, people becoming exploited as we come out of lockdown because they're just so keen to get back out there.
1: It seems like like the logical thing would be, and so like we'll see an increase in people touring solo one-hour shows rather than programming multi-bill nights. Mm-hmm. Because financially speaking, if Lauren and I were gonna do a show, the choice between maybe getting paid 100 quid to do 20 minutes on a mixed bill In comparison to getting maybe 60% of the box office to do a full hour like one it's safer in some regards because you've got less people on the bill less people traveling from different areas but also in terms of marketing you can do a more efficient marketing pitch for one particular act do you see what i
3: mean
0: yeah it makes a lot of sense
1: however also
3: all these people i don't know when people are going to resume their tours necessarily because i don't know how many people will be happy to perform at the venues that they, were, they would normally perform at, mm-hmm. but with socially distanced seating. Normally yeah. they'd be performing to
1: sort of 140, and now they're going to be performing to 40. Mm. It would be so elitist, because people are going to be yes. so desperate for comedy. So they will be like, fuck, yeah, I've got expendable income because I've not been spending any money in this time. I'll spend 80 quid for a 40-pound seat, if it means I don't have to sit near anyone. Like You'll end up with just... It will be like gigging in Surbiton again.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Have you ever had to gig in Surbiton, Lauren?
2: I've done it once. How and was I was it for you? It, I remember it took so long to get there, and I was like, is this still London? <laughs> <Where
1: am I?" laughs> Didn't you do a gig the other day?
2: I did. I did a gig at the stand, like at the actual stand. Yes, um, I was going
0: to ask you about that. How did that go?
2: Yeah, it was... Bizarre so like obviously the club was empty so like all the chairs and stuff we had the four I think there was four acts on five acts So there was us, there was the manager of the stand, a couple of staff like tech staff and a couple of people filming So there was like 12 people in the club all together Uh, there was a one-way system around the club Each toilet in the stand only one actual toilet was open so in each like in the ladies toilet only one cubicle was usable and you could only have one person in the toilet at the time we all had to be two meters apart and um, we all had to wear masks we all had to carry hand wash so it was really crazy and then when we the gig was like live stream so you did it like straight down the bal- barrel of the camera but from the stage and it was just so bizarre because i thought my first thought was well it's got to be better than doing it in my bedroom because it's so <laughs> weird doing it in your bedroom because you're like but this isn't a stage it's my bed So some of that weirdness was removed because I was like oh my god I'm on stage at a comedy club holding a microphone but then you look in front of you and you're like but nobody's there and it's still no I'm still gigging to nobody like but it was better than doing it like I'm making it sound like I didn't enjoy it I absolutely loved it but (laughs) it is just the most odd it's kind of like it made me feel so happy to be back on a stage but at the same time I was like oh but it's not the same like where's the people and I want to like I want to be able to sit next to my friends after, and I want to sit in the green room with everybody. And yeah, we're just in this weird, like, upside-down world at the minute, where nothing's, everything's got a sort of slight air of familiarity to it, but still so distant from what it was.
0: I was going to say that when you mentioned about you performing, down, you know, down the barrel of the camera, kind of thing. Do you think that comedy is going to go more that way? I know Elf was talking about, you know, there's lots more people doing online stuff. Um, and that seems to be one route is doing kind of the sketch version of perhaps what your set was or segments of your set. But performing straight to the camera,
2: I mean, that's just
0: so weird, right?
2: Absolutely. Do you I've think? I've been down quite if Well, not quite a few. I've been quite selective with which online gigs I've chosen to do because they're so, like, obviously, it's very different to doing a normal gig and it yeah. feels different. So I'm like, well, I have to feel good about doing it because the last thing I want is to do something that's so strange anyway, and to also feel bad about it. I think there's two or three that I've turned down because they wanted me to do 45 minutes to an hour. And I thought, you know what, like book me to do 45 minutes in the real world would love to, but the thought of doing 45 minutes just to my laptop, I thought, you know what? I won't feel good about that. I won't do the job to the best of my ability. And I would feel guilty taking the money to not do a job to the best of my ability. So there's a couple I've turned down, but that then worries me. If this is the way comedy is going to continue, I'm like, well, I either have to learn to adapt, or I'm just not going to do many gigs. <laughs> the
0: length of the set is actually a really important consideration, isn't it? I mean, I've, I've been watching a lot of the online, um, yeah, online gigs. I watched uh, Stamp Town and Infinite, oh, yeah. the Infinite Sofa. You did a sketch on that, didn't you, Alf? Was that? Oh yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, which was fab. Sea Monster, wasn't it, I think yeah Yeah. (laughs) um and i've been watching you know and i'm just trying to sort of research it's really interesting to see what people are doing and how they're how they're exploring it i haven't seen anyone do a particularly long set yet actually which is quite interesting that you've been offered that i suppose that's the next phase isn't it everything i've seen has been little clips
1: it's like it's that thing because people's attention spans can't be questioned at home like i was uh Sean Morley commented on this when we did an online comedy gig on Twitch and that the whole time you're doing your routine, it was for excess malarkey. You can see all the people commenting and chatting to each other as the stream's going on. And that's effectively the equivalent of people speaking whilst you're on stage. Like in a gig, you can see when someone's on their phone, but I don't think in the whole time I've been at home, whilst I've watched a film with my family, I've watched my mum and dad be able to watch a film without just looking at their phones at least yeah. five times or tweet. Mm. I think everybody has lost the ability to actually give something a total attention. So when you're doing online comedy, people you can always see them when they're watching you on Twitch. They'll be like, mm? and then they'll just be like <laughs> scrolling down the side, <laughs> probably yeah. checking their Facebook. So like, if you're any longer than five minutes. You literally it will be like trying to do comedy to children because people are like, I- I'm just not paying any attention anymore.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. that's the thing with like some of the etiquette is definitely gone. So I was doing like an online one the other day, and the gig itself I enjoyed, but um, let because I haven't got my webcam on at the minute. I've got a shitty laptop where the webcam quality isn't great, so um, I was like, oh well, I'll do it on my phone because um, the quality's better. And as I was doing my Air uh, uh, set and um, I saw a comment come up on the screen saying don't be a knobhead and I'd only been <sighs> on like two minutes so obviously it caught my eye and I went don't be a knobhead like I went who the hell's calling as a knobhead I was like what have I done and then another comment flashed up and said oh not you can't remember the lad's name Dave and I was like no you're really confused and I just thought yeah Never mind." That just that, that stays
0: with you the whole set I'm sure yeah. it's just
2: I wondered if I don't like No, you think what is going on then it was only after so these were obviously coming up as notifications I must have missed one or maybe it must have popped up just before I'd went on because I clicked on the chat after and it was some guy kicking off because there was a famous comedian sort of either doing a set at the end or a chat at the end and this guy commented saying um oh I feel so conned out of money I thought this was an evening with famous comedian I didn't realize it was going to be these amateurs as well and oh. I sat, And like what you were saying elf i was like if somebody had come and said that in a comedy club you would call them out on it straight away or they wouldn't even say it they'd just sit there and be like oh well i didn't realize it was going to be this but because it's online they feel like they can just type that comment and i had a proper bite me tongue from being like the poster advertised this famous comic and four other comics like you're the idiot if you don't know how to look at a poster <laughs> correctly like no I've seen that way. kind
3: of behaviour before where people are just it's like they've completely forgotten the whole concept of a headline or anything exactly. because they're looking at it on their screen and for them whenever you're on your computer ultimately computer how old am I your laptop <laughs> Everything sort of bespoke you know you'll watch what you want on Netflix yeah. now you don't That's have so- to watch the adverts or anything so
1: It's like on Infinite Sofa, what really upset me when I was on their YouTube the other day, because I was like, oh, can you send me the link? And I went online and one of them has like two and a half thousand views. Most of the shows have like a couple of hundred, which is brilliant because it is such a successful adaptation Mm. of a comedy night to zoom and then i realized that the reason it was two thousand views or something is because james acaster was on it and i was like great and then i clicked on it and it was because at the beginning of the view someone's posted a comment oh if you want to watch james he's at this time so people are just like thanks for that and they're not watching the whole show they're just watching a small clip of one great comedian who obviously deserves all this success but you're thinking like some really brilliant acts who are also on that gig i thought Mm. if you just taken the time to watch the full one hour you would have seen something entirely different, and this is also always from people who claim to be like, Oh, yeah, I'm like a really cool comedy savvy person, and like, I love Stuart Lee. <laughs> Discovering and new then, acts, yeah,
2: yeah, and then they're
1: always the ones that leave the tent at a festival the moment <laughs> the famous act has been on
0: stage.
3: Absolutely, mm. oh, this what is the that used what to I'm say, hearing...
0: Oh, do you know Louis C.K.? <laughs> <laughs> <really> comedy
1: experts.
0: <laughs> I think what I'm hearing, girls, and I might I might be wrong here, and maybe we can put the world to rights here, is perhaps that this is all quite new still. This whole online comedy, gigging and shows, etc. It's it's a very new concept. I think it's a bit of a lack of um, administration. Maybe it's like somewhere at the point of organising these gigs, and I'm not I'm not judging anyone because I think you learn by doing. I think at some stage there has to be like some moderation of comments or comments are suspended whilst the act's performing or the acts that's yeah. performing can't see them. There's no real need for you to see them. You wouldn't have that, as you say, in a live gig. And like, how's exactly. that going to help you set? Um, and also Which like... pretty good for it. Yeah. Like with
1: streamers, if they've got moderators, depending some nights can do it quite well. But most of the time people just don't have
0: the technical knowledge, like you were saying that's it we're all still I mean you know we had a technical hitch at the start of this we're even just getting the podcast up the ground is hard (laughs) so I kind of have like some sympathy for for the genre at the moment and I think as well as you say like if you've got a headliner on this you shouldn't really the same rules should apply as when you're running a night and it should just be like look guys you know come on get in the spirit of things we've We've got a bunch of great comedians, someone so is going to be on at some stage, but that, you know, everyone gets a fair shot. I think the fact that you're, you know, especially Lauren, you're putting yourself out there and you're actually doing these gigs. You're being a guinea pig in a sense. And I think that that should be respected and rewarded in some way. Uh, it's hard enough.
2: Absolutely. Because at the start, I was dead against, well, not dead against doing them, but obviously when this all happened... People were saying to me well live stream a show live stream a show and i thought and this is before people had actually sort of started running some kind of semblance of gigs and i thought i can't think of anything i'm quite an anxious person anyway and quite like i get very nervous before i go on stage i thought i can't think of anything worse than me in my bedroom telling jokes alone for say like 20 minutes half an hour and just hoping somebody's tuned in and a few people but i think like dove straight in and did like you know the solo live streams And i thought brilliant good for you, like you do what you want to do you handle this how you want but it's not for me and then obviously people started forming more gig structured ones and I was like well that seems a bit less scary that seems a bit more like a gig it's not just me there's a pre-existing audience I kind of like started to dip my toe in it but like you say like I do th- a lot of people are very supportive but I think some people just need to remember this is so different for all of us and we're just mm. trying like we are it's trying
1: it's <laughs> so exhausting to adapt as well like you were saying because in the first two weeks of lockdown I think like I was like right come on try and be proactive because suddenly you lose all your work you lose all income and also I'm not in like I'm not in a city I'm in like the middle of nowhere with just my parents so mentally I'm very close to committing a murder but the <laughs> of, I, I was like okay download Twitch how does Twitch work okay I'm gonna stream one of my shows so I decided to like set up in the garage and try and stream parts of my show I found loads of old props and I stood up and I performed for about 45 minutes on my own to the internet and it was one of the most harrowing weird like when I say harrowing like obviously there are lots of things that are harrowing but because you had no reaction and when you do comedy especially clowning on your own without people it does just Mm. become a form of mental illness and then I was looking at the feed and I realised there were loads of guys who were just pretending to be me on Twitch, who'd, pretend, who'd copied my name, and who were just calling me absolutely the most horrible things you can imagine. I was getting so much hate mail for the way really? I looked. And That's I read terrible. that back. And then I got like, I think, £10 donated off Ko-Fi, which, I mean, is better than a poke in the eye. And I was like, great, £10, thank you. I, that means I can get some hay for my guinea pigs. But Like, I was just feeling like, is this emotionally worth it? Because after two weeks of like doing a YouTube channel, suddenly creating loads of characters I was putting on my Instagram. I was trying to show everyone, look, I can adapt. Mm. I can do this. I was like, but do I want to? Because I am a
0: live performer. There are other people who do this so much better than me. (laughs) I think you're very vulnerable as well. You're in your own home for a start or your garage, as you say, or your parents' home. Um, and it's a part of you that you're broadcasting so when you then get people making ridiculous comments that you shouldn't have to see in any world um I think that that is actually you've got to be mentally incredibly strong to be able to handle that and I don't think you should have to actually I don't think anyone should have to just to be you're just trying to do your job
1: yeah I like that thing about being strong. Like at the moment in a pandemic, like I've, I don't know how you guys have been, but I've been so, so depressed. Like I didn't have my antidepressants when we went into lockdown because my was registered in London. And I had this horrible period where, like, and also struggling with sort of things like drinking and trying to stay off certain things. I was like, I'm not sure I can cope by. Like, I'm not sure I can be resilient. Like actually at the moment, all I want to do is cry. And I spent about a week where I just slept in my mum's bed because I was so stressed and so anxious all the time. And then it's a nightmare because as comedians, you are meant to be the entertaining fun ones. We are meant to be the doing the TikTok videos. Yeah, yeah. And my Instagram was just complete fabricated lies. (laughs) Because every time (laughs) I do one post, I then have a panic attack. And my mum would be like, let's just get into bed and let's just watch Dexter. And she's like, and Emily, if you don't want to do a comedy anymore, you don't have to do it anymore. (laughs) You don't have to do it. Walk away from the comedy. she was like Emily, you've done this for a long time. If you don't want to do it anymore, you can do whatever you want. If you want to work there, we can help you find something. Don't worry, Jared. She said to my dad, "She doesn't have to be a comedian anymore." Just he? saying. Like, no, you can be whatever you want to be. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, crying, crying. I hope you don't mind. We're laughing day. with
0: you, not at you. No, it's all
1: right. But like, how has it been? You li- do? You,
0: who's who's living with their parents?
2: Yeah, me.
0: Yeah, free cheers for living with parents. Like, I, if I could, yeah. I would. I think it's great. Yeah. I wish You're I bubbled was living with, with them. my parents. I'm, I'm bubbled. I'm bubbled with my parents. I'm loving Ooh. the bubble right now. Yeah. <laughs> See, I got single parent privileges. You, having your parents is, is like, so super important right now, I think. And, of course, they're older, they're more vulnerable, etc. cetera. So, I get it. And I, I think the mental health... Part of this conversation which unfortunately the government don't seem very keen to address um is yeah it's a really something that we all have to really take on board and actually it's okay to have time when you switch off or you come off social media um just to stop you from yeah killing a parent which nobody wants (laughs) my um my little
1: brother came down because he'd been isolating for ages with his girlfriend. And so after about five weeks of isolating, they came down to stay here, which made, they slept in his room. And we were sort of by that point going, yeah, none of us have got it. Like, I think it's fine. It was just after the alert for, you know, well, whatever we've all coped in our own ways. And there was this weird, like my anxiety went through the roof because my, brother's girlfriend she's 23 and she works for like a company like a big company and she was waking up at six in the morning and working till about 10 at night and then her bosses would ring her about one two like send her an email and go hi can you get this contract and refine it and send it in by about 10 tomorrow and she was working pretty much seven days a week
2: Twenty-three
1: years old for this company, and I was like, "This is obscene. Is this what you guys are always like?" She went, yeah, this is pretty much what's expected of us. And it made me, in that horrible way, go. My job is redundant. Yeah. <laughs> my job is pointless. And then when I was saying to my mum and dad, I feel a little bit sad. I then watch <laughs> this poor woman just like drinking all this coffee, trying to deal with these insane bosses, and I'm like, I
0: don't feel like I'm a valuable part of society (laughs) (laughs) so I was going um, to ask you actually girls and what was the last normal thing that you did that actually felt normal
2: oh this is how because I've done like obviously I did the gig at the stand and that was like normal but not normal because I was like I'm in a comedy club and I'm with comedians but it's not and then like I went for a walk with a friend and I was like this is almost normal but We couldn't piss anywhere because all the toilets were shut. We had to stay two (laughs) metres apart and I couldn't give them a hug. So I was like, ah, it's all these. I'm getting like little snatches of normal that are still so not. I think the last like properly normal thing I did was I did Glasgow Comedy Festival. That was my last gig before everything started getting cancelled and before like the lockdown kicked in. But even then, like I think I had a few people who bought tickets who didn't turn up. I remember the organiser saying I think people are starting to get worried about the like the coronavirus thing but I remember doing this gig in like this little basement of a pub and then going back and getting a KFC and sitting in my hotel room and eating the KFC which is usually my routine for after a gig I get a takeaway I go back to the hotel and I watch Naked Attraction like that is pretty much (laughs) and I think that was the last sort of like normal night that I had like my last like routine as a comic which is finish the gig go back to your hotel take away like sit in a nice comfy hotel bed and watch tv and then travel home the next day and that was the last moment i got to do something like that
0: <laughs> we should take a moment <laughs> to just remember and celebrate hotels um oh, yeah so just good. take that moment and holidays holidays that weren't even that good that you get back and your mates be like how was the holiday You're like it was all right i mean the food was a bit rubbish people were a bit wanky or whatever It was amazing. You would kill for that holiday now, you know. I want to go to the Isle of
1: Wight. I want to like do like a big tourist holiday to that Like Guys, they don't have much going on there. They just had the tourism scene. Then cheap flights came in. Then (laughs) the ferries got expensive. Those poor guys, they're stuck in the 1970s. We, (laughs) I feel like we should just all go to like the the Isle of Man where there's no,
0: there's no cases of COVID apparently. Oh Yeah. yeah. Let's or New Zealand, that. although we reinfected them, unfortunately. Sorry, guys. We did. It was yeah. so bad. <laughs> Typical us. Kate, what was the last most normal thing that you did? I think it was probably um, we visited
3: my parents um, the next day. On the Monday was when like, lockdown was announced. And we were really like, oh, man, we should have stayed.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I think the parent cooking situ is good, though, isn't it? El- Elf and Lauren, what's, what's the menu been like?
2: I've been doing a lot of the cooking. So I come from a family where they're not really adventurous with the food they eat. Right. I'm very aware my bedroom door's open and my mum's upstairs and she can probably hear us. Um so like I had a really like boring as fuck palate when I left home. Like I didn't I ate like sort of pasta, chicken and jacket potatoes and pizza, like that was about it. But then when I moved out when I was eighteen and started cooking for myself more, become like I'm a quite a nice little cook, I think. So, when I came back, because I felt bad about being a little burden, an unemployed former blonde, now <laughs> stripy haired wreck of a human. <laughs> so, I try and do as much cooking as I can. So, I've been making like risottos and stir fries. I've been making nice pies. I made my mum some salmon thing the other day. Ooh, so very I quite fancy. enjoy it. Like, I really like cooking. And it makes it, again, before I had the job me sort of cooking dinner for everybody made me feel like I had a little bit of purpose yeah because I was like all right well I might not be contributing anything else but I've made us a paella (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: I think there's something very healing about cooking especially if you're cooking for other people and you know talking of mental wellness and stuff I think I think that's why people are getting into their sourdough bread and all that kind of thing I mean what what are you guys all finding Mm -hmm. girls rather what are you finding um is cheering you up you know what are your moments of of joy in the days if anything if there's nothing that's fine um I sort of just sort of
1: accepted that my body clearly actually needed the rest like I not ironically before lockdown I was having really bad spinal problems so I had to see my spinal surgeon anyway and he said look if I could I'd write a form to your boss to say that you need to take all of april off to rest mm. and i was like well i'm my own boss so obviously i wouldn't listen to that cuz i don't get sick pay and then when this came in there was this weird sort of going right okay i i can actually i don't need to feel guilty about maybe not working every day mm. or trying yeah. to be constantly creative cuz a
0: doctor a health official said <laughs> to me you're not well um so that I've must be quite really... liberating in a way then for you like to have to not have that creative pressure and someone taking that taking it away and saying actually you could have a break now if you want yeah I think the thing is though with our industry there's no
1: because we don't sort of work the same way other companies do are going well you've worked with us for three and eight years now and we think <laughs> yeah. it's a bad time you it's it's so just grab the opportunities when they come and just apply for everything so I've been, I try and, so I've just been reading every day. Like I try and read for an hour at least every day. And my friend and I were giving each other a dare or we'd recommend a different film the other hadn't seen. And we had to watch it that day. And then we had to report back. So it was sort of like homework, like fun (laughs) homework going, you need to watch this, you need to watch that, which I did. It's sort of making everything feel... It's a bit like, do you remember revising for your GCSEs and you'd say no. coming up with the revision <laughs> calendar? Or, but you know, you'd like do the revision timetable and it'd be color coded. And then I'll have a half an hour break and then yeah. I'll go back into French and <laughs> then you would never follow it. I feel like that's pretty much what lockdown's been for me. I'm like, I'm going to wake up and then I'm going to do half an hour of this and then I'm going to do that. And then maybe I'll watch Buffy and then I wake up <laughs> and I go, I'm, like,
0: I'm going to watch Buffy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the structure the structure's so hard I remember starting this and I got like um I'm looking at it now I've got a whiteboard and I sort of tried to divide up the day because it was just that fear of the unknown spaces in the day when you're like what am I going to fill it with um and I just cannot doesn't matter what I do I cannot stick to this schedule I can't make it work can't make it happen the sleep you know our sleep's always out of joint and we're out of whack and stuff it's really hard to um to knuckle down and get a schedule i was going to ask you something about pressure because you were saying about you know this this sort of pressure to still be creative every day and 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 lauren you're you've got a day job at the moment which i'm sure is taking up quite a lot of your time and time that you would like to be more yeah. creative do you feel do you feel like a pressure that you've got to be coming up with the next best thing or still in a different way it's a different kind of pressure to what you had previously but do you feel like with your peers that you know there's a sense of competition and pressure to to get content out there
2: definitely and I think especially when it all first happened it was almost like there was a rush to prove you were adapting and I don't want it to sound like I'm insulting anybody because I think if you were able to do that brilliant but there was a times where I felt a little bit like oh well if you're not putting content out then you're not adapting and you're going to be left behind and it was like whoa 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 well some people have got childcare, like some comedians are now finding themselves homeschooling their children. And some people like me have gone back to day jobs. Some people mentally just cannot adapt as quickly. So I did feel like maybe it was just my sort of anxiety brain interpreted it that way. But I was sitting a bit like, but you can't insinuate that if you're not adapting, then you're failing because everybody's individual circumstances different. So there's no way we can all adapt at once. And, and everybody's comedy is slightly different so I personally don't think my comedy would work in like an hour long format online but I think it works like that very well on stage like we all know comics who can smash a five minute club set but maybe can't do an hour long show and I feel or can't yet to do an hour long show and I feel like the sort of all the online stuff is very similar there's some comics who found a way to make their stuff work online and others it isn't going to be quite as straightforward and there's a lot of pressure definitely
1: (laughs) this is so true and it's that thing that you were saying it's so based on fear mentality of haven't you done this yet you need to Mm. do it totally forgetting that people have families mental illnesses hell also people forgetting it's a pandemic you might have been ill yeah exactly
0: (laughs) or you might be worried about someone that's ill or someone close to you yeah it could be yeah
1: and also you can't write like how are we expected to pitch and create innovative ideas when we aren't being able to do the lived experiences that would often encourage us to create in the first place like a huge amount of my work tends to sort of come out from just being on stage and just improvising like the last gig I remember doing that I had real fun with was for Lauren's birthday when I just got to take my clothes off for you. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> it was so much fun. Just remember, I just remember not knowing what to do. Just going, happy birthday, Lauren. And, just <laughs> to off. and I'm like, if I tried to do something like that, or just experiment with that idea on Twitch, it would be harrowing. Yeah, <laughs> like, it, it just wouldn't wouldn't work. And so you go, right, okay, well, I'm not... Also, all the great COVID materials probably already been written now. Yeah. we've all seen the two-minute great sketches people have made. We don't need any more COVID material. Exactly. We all know what lockdown is like now. It's been terrible.
0: <laughs> yes. I was going to say, like, um, you said about your back, and I, I know th- I, I was reading up on you, because I obviously I do a bit of research, just as a courtesy, um and i saw that you'd uh, i read an article uh, i think uh, it was about a year ago about some of the issues you've been having because you had quite a serious back problem didn't you that took you out the game for a bit how does that compare to to what you're going through now
1: i mean i mean at least now i have sort of i've got better bladder control like that was one thing that was going on during february was i kept on wetting myself when we were making gorgon So that was a really stressful part of trying to direct, write and make a show. And you're trying to be fun all the time and really optimistic. And people often, well, we always make assumptions about what everyone's up to and like, oh, but you're doing really well. And you're like, yeah, but I'm pretty sure I've just wet myself in this conversation and I'm wearing really big knickers or nappies. (laughs) So I was getting all of that sorted. And then obviously I think luckily it's calmed down weirdly during lockdown. I mean, I don't, I don't know, just one foot in front of the other, really. There are so many other people who are in worse situations. Like, I'm so lucky right now in the fact that I'm living with my mum and dad, so I don't have to pay rent right now. Um, My mum knows how to cook. There is a washing machine. Um, Mm. We're also in nature, as in we're in the countryside, because it's like an old run-down farm, because my mum and dad rescue animals. So in terms of, like, the location, I could not be luckier in comparison yeah. to some of my friends. So despite like the, the mental health problems and like the issues with sometimes it's really hard to move. I, I my, one of my best friends, Katie Pritchard, who's who I used to live with in London. Mm. I mean, we were chatting on the phone. She's like, yeah, I've spent the whole day just walking from one room in the house to the other. <laughs> it like the road, And it's massively busy and smoggy and people are not socially distancing. So it's about sort of taking it all as it comes really and sort of counting your blessings. Yeah, my parents are also like, we're really hardcore Catholics. So like, we're having to do not having to do but I mean, Jesus is a really big part of our day to day life. So that weirdly actually has been quite comforting. Because normally I just sort of avoid of that when I've been living in yeah. London because so I'm like a cool hedonist. But at home, my mum's like, Emily, you need to help organize the Catholic book club I Zoom. <laughs> like, okay. Wow, that's, that's have... really
0: interesting that religion's kind of playing a part, but not, not for the usual reasons. It's not necessarily about faith, it's a little bit more about structure, perhaps, or um, just giving you, yeah, like something to do and to focus on that you don't have to think about.
1: It's like meditation, like prayer and. My, it was funny. We had a book club on Tuesday. We read this book called Chasing the Dragon by Jackie Pullinahel, she which was, she was quite a famous missionary in the 60s. 60s. It's baffling, but it's quite a wonderful memory. She's like, And yes, I just spoke to this young boy and I said, Do not kill this man. And then we started <laughs> speaking in tongues. But I actually quite liked it. But we're chatting on the WhatsApp group and our church, like our church group, like I'm the youngest member, but you know we're all from very different parts of the world and also some people at the moment are going through cancer some of people are actually terminal like it's some people are from singapore trinidad japan like it's really multicultural yeah shelly who's an absolute babe just was like yeah i can speak in tongues and i was like how many people in the group can speak in tongues turns out speaking in tongues is incredibly common in asia
0: so wow. we started chatting about speaking tongues i mean can we get them onto a funny women workshop maybe and, and oh teach my that if you, that would be good you,
1: wouldn't
0: it Shelley is
1: the bomb okay. <laughs> okay okay so good friday good friday is obviously jesus died um but the night before jesus got crucified the thursday night he was on his own and it, but you as your, his disciples, often you will spend the night in the church, keeping him comfy, keeping him company before his crucifixion. So we all had to write on the road to when we're going to go in to be in the church and obviously social distancing, you can't all go in at once. Um, And so Shelly was there, she was in a sleeping bag. Um, She was at the front because she was there for the long haul. Me and my dad had just gone in to pray with Jesus for an hour. And then she came up to me and she was like, look, I got sent these erotic postcards and I, um, I thought you'd prefer them, emily Ann, And she handed them <laughs> to me. And they were some Michelangelo, like, postcards of his artwork. <laughs> like, you know, the naked, <laughs> like, Michael. Like, I was like, I, I like the fact she was, she's so, like, hardcore. She was like, these are erotic. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you yeah. must take them. <laughs>
0: just,
3: oh, I'll tell you what,
0: I feel like you've got your first sitcom and your yeah. next character, sewn up I'm um, lauren i'm hoping that at work there are some real top quality characters that you're studying and getting oh, your sitcom lined up
2: i love it i'm really enjoying it like it's so obviously the hours are long but i think because obviously i've got some lovely friends in comedy like elf but um we don't really get to hang out so like to, for comedians your work friends you might only gig with somebody once every two months or three months like you might gig with them in January and then not see them again till the fringe in August So for me it's been quite nice to go back to working with people every day and seeing yeah. people every day and being like oh this is nice like especially being like a woman in comedy you, you often don't get to gig with the other women as much as <laughs> you'd, you'd like to it's been nice to be around like strong women and these like there's some hilarious women at work and, mm. and they're all funny and it's just It's been really good. So I love it. Um, So they all know us anyway or know others. And a lot of them know I did comedy. But like a few of them watched like the stand live stream on Saturday. And they've all said how like as soon as things are back to normal, they want to come watch. So I think it helps.
0: That's
2: nice. Going to work somewhere where they know what I do. Because there's Mm. sort of a level of understanding, which is where they're like, oh, like Lauren's come to us because she's lost all the comedy stuff, but she's going to go back to it. And that's fine. Whereas I think if I've got a job anywhere else, it would have been that awkward conversation of so what did you do before and me having to be like well I was once a
1: comedian <laughs> it's so nice having like it sounds so lovely to have an actual community of friends as well like like mm. you said in comedy you just don't have that consistency so you'll be yeah. like oh yeah so-and-so they're one of my great like when people say oh do you know Lauren Patterson I'm like oh my god yeah we're really great friends and then I <laughs> count on my hand how many times we've met in the last year and I'm like oh my god it's only been three times
2: so I think that's why we all love Edinburgh because that's the time you yeah. actually get to mm. be with your mates for a prolonged amount of time. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, I do have lots of friends in comedy, but the very nature of the job is you don't get to spend a lot of time.
3: <laughs> I think it does. To go to a comedian's birthday, it's always like all their friends just do 10-minute spots at their party. And then all <laughs> yeah. go, because they've got like a gig to go to.
2: For my birthday this year, that's why I put a gig on. Because I was like, it's so... Especially living in London, all my friends were comedians. I hadn't made any friends who weren't comics other than me, like, ex-boyfriend. And I thought, well, it's so impossible to organise something because everybody's always got gigs. So the only way I'm going to be able to celebrate my birthday and have people I want there is by putting on a bloody gig.
1: <laughs> yeah, Good idea. It's so true. But it's also, I've noticed, become a bit of a theme as well. Like There has been an increase in like themed birthday-related nights Absolutely. because comics have all started to notice, this is how you guarantee people come to an event or, or <laughs>
0: That's a fundraiser sad. That's, I find that kind of sad though I mean do you think do you think maybe like uh, if you were to make a resolution like a post-pandemic resolution then would it be that as simple as you want to be able to see your friends more in like a real yeah. sense or well, what definitely. other what other things crop up when you try and you know when you're planning anything you in, in an ideal world when this is all over what would you really what would you really hope to have I mean, I was
1: really gutted because I was spent. I spent so much of the last month getting this MFA application together to train as a theatre mo- movement director and teacher because I really love teaching. I thought well, I really want to study that and get better at it. So I put in this application form, and then the interview came through. And then they went. By the way, just to let you know, your the fee isn't what we suggested the fee online was like £10,000 for an MFA but with the potential for a scholarship but now it's £26,000 with no potential for scholarship and they went wow. so do you still want to come to the interview and I was thinking I literally cannot imagine anyone in the world <laughs> being able to one afford that but also think that any sort of education thing is worth that much mm. money really yeah. And then I just got very, very angry and comfort ate. So in response to that, I probably just had to take Sundays off. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> set the just, bar low. Set the bar set low. Up, uh,
1: just try and have a day where I'm not, like, constantly... Are you like this, Lauren? If someone asks you to do a gig, like, I'll yeah. often... I'll just look straight at my diary, and if I'm free, I'm like, yeah, of course. Absolutely. Cool. Yeah, I started I'll a there. rule. Maybe, like, I can't
2: remember if it was the end of last year I of this year. Probably more... Yeah, maybe it was towards the end of last year. Um, but I said in... Tw- I don't know, maybe I was going... I'm so confused with what time is anymore. Uh, we'll say it was going into 2020. I was like, I'm going to take one weekend off every month because there's a circuit comic. I make my money on the clubs on the weekend. But also, you then have no social life. Like, I had a partner who worked a nine-to-five job Monday to Friday. The weekends were the time I really got to spend with them. But I was never around.
0: So yeah, I was like, like one hard.
2: weekend... So I was like, um, OK, oh, no, I think I maybe did start thinking that way maybe about September. Um, and I was like, yeah, one weekend off every month. And so I had one weekend free every like uh, every month. But then like Elsie is, would find someone would email and be like, oh, can you do this gig on this Saturday? And I'd be like, oh, well, it's only in Angels. So it's only well I'll be there and back in two hours. Oh, that's not so bad. And you find yourself just a bit like right back what we were saying at the start. Oh, well, if I don't do that gig, someone else is going to.
1: I'd advise like because last year I, um, I emailed I think my agent in about April going hi I'd like to ask is it possible to have permission for a week's holiday in September <laughs> and she was like you do realize you don't need to ask me permission for your holiday if you like you're more like you're definitely allowed to have a holiday and I was sort of in that weird idea of going oh really oh great and I took myself on my own to Slovenia for it wasn't Ooh. even a full week nights because the workaholic in me was like you can't you can't go for longer than a week otherwise they'll forget who you are (laughs) I went for six months but i didn't like honestly do not bring a smartphone i had a nokia and that was all i had i didn't have a laptop i just had a nokia and three books i had a rucksack and two changes of clothes i mean it wasn't a luxurious holiday it was in the middle of nowhere in slovenia but it honestly i came back the most revitalized woman of yeah. my life and after yeah. that i thought i am going on a holiday every year these, these <laughs> things are incredible <laughs> i think a so, well, holiday actually means that you're treating comedy
3: like a job which a it job, is yeah. and i think yeah. it's almost like you're not respecting that you are actually working and you're exactly. not going to be productive if you don't have a break like yeah. if you
2: work a normal job so the job i'm in now i'm entitled to 28 days holiday and if mm. i probably looked at my comedy diary over the last year I would be surprised if I had 28 days where I didn't
1: do a single bit of work. Like definitely. Yeah. I Lauren, think let's go on holiday together.
2: We should. Oh, I love this. This is great. I so will you treat tra-
1: you so well.
2: <laughs> Can you send us a
1: postcard? <laughs> like, that's why festival culture, like you were saying, Kate, about festivals being important for acts to see each other and with Edinburgh Laurenite like, being important for ever, all of us getting to hang out. With that gone, I feel like every comedian is going where are my friends yeah I need to change the way I reach out to people because I can't expect to just bump into them into the basement of a
0: bar (laughs) I think that's that's kind of what I'm getting from both of you this evening is just really it's about so if we if we're trying to sort of give advice to people because we like to give survival tips here but the advice is from two people who are doing this all the time take take regular kind of breaks out of life out of comedy treat yourself like this is Uh, a job as Kate said you know you deserve your time off and um to not succumb to the pressure I think you know you both hit the nail on the head I can sense it everyone that we've spoken to on this podcast really has said there's this enormous pressure at the moment to be to be creating stuff to be still in the game but actually there's pandemic going on it's okay to to just say you know what? I'm really fucking miserable I can't do anything right now um or to go out and get a day job, which I think is actually, I don't want to say it's admirable because that sounds patronising, but you're having a great time. You've done yeah. the exact right thing for you. So I think that's that's really commendable. And I just was going to say, like, if anyone's listening, who's just starting out in comedy or really wants to, but thinks, Jesus, how am I going to start a career in the pandemic? Can you just give them maybe a couple of quick bits of, of advice for someone that wants to start out and maybe doesn't have the confidence to, to really get going? What would, you, what would you advise? The first few years or first gigs, just allow
1: yourself that all you need to do is learn how to breathe on stage. That's all you need to do. You just need to learn how to breathe on stage and just accept you're going to probably be shit for a while. And the moment that you can do a gig with absolutely no laughter and you can still be fine with it, then you can be on the way to creating a good five minute routine. But until then, you've just got to have fun letting that ego and that pride of yours take a pummeling and realise that failing is one of the absolute most important steps towards creative freedom. Oh, I love that. Very much the ethos of clowning, right? I think it's because I've just been tutoring so much online at the moment like, dealing with so many people going, I don't know what to do. I'm so afraid.
2: you like, it's okay. We're all afraid. It's okay. <laughs> and Lauren, any any tips from you? I think the best thing someone said to me was, like, you, you should look forwards and not sideways. Because it's very easy mm. to be like, oh, well, I did my first gig with them, but they, they've already got agents coming to see them, and I'm still doing this. The thing with comedy is there is no one-size-fits-all path you can start at the same time as somebody else and you can be exactly as funny as them but your careers could progress in totally different ways I remember someone saying to me I want to have your Edinburgh and I said with the greatest respect in the world you cannot have my Edinburgh because you're not me it's very much about just sort of following your own path definitely
1: and don't get disappointed if you don't get the reaction you decided before you went on stage that you thought you deserved Oh, wow. You know, like, That's great advice, go, <laughs> yeah. When people yeah. go to Edinburgh and they get cross, they didn't get nominated. And you're like, is this because yeah. you decided beforehand that that was what you should get? Because if so, you've gone into this with the totally wrong expectations.
2: Absolutely. You were just,
1: this gig, is our job is not... A fun place to be really like at the beginning those first couple of years are so fun because mm. you see the same people every day in the pub but it's all light and if you do well like you can live off that steam for a week but like it's so interesting having this argument with um someone recently saying I don't know why you're so stressed every time you have to do a gig like because you've shown that you can do it like you can mm. sh- you sh- you're a professional, like surely you, you don't need to worry. And I'm like, no, because it matters more than yeah. it yeah. is your only job. Because suddenly if you have a shit gig, it's not, people won't go, oh, that's okay. We understand. Yeah. They go, well, no, you're a professional. So, you know, it becomes really capitalist. You are a product. Mm. We've paid you, you deliver. And so that gives its whole other, whole other kettle of fish. Sorry. thank
0: you for the advice girl. girls I feel like you know if all goes tits up with the careers I feel like guidance counsellors yeah. this could be the next, <laughs> future comedy guidance counsellors I mean I don't know if that exists as a job
2: <laughs> um. <laughs> you once told me out that I would make a good agent I remember that oh my goodness you so would
0: <laughs> I, feel, I feel like you
1: could be a great culture secretary i think you'd be like a well that definitely yeah party. I, I would support yeah. like, you on that just one of my favorite people
2: i'm amazing. just glad i haven't
1: been able to see your face for the last hour
2: i know my webcam was such a blur and i was like i'm just gonna put that pretty face big picture on instead that'll, <laughs> that'll do
0: <laughs> well thank you this so much ladies paradise. for coming on today and, and thanks so much to kate as well um amazing
1: Oh, this has been so nice. I'm sorry if I've been talking too much. I just what is that, too this, this is the point
0: of being a guest on a podcast. That is actually your role. So don't worry. It was <laughs> okay. great. The, the funny women community are a lot. A lot of the people that listen to this are people that are starting out or are trying to find their ways. So I think actually it will be really helpful to them to sort of see the reality of mm-hmm. yeah. uh, warts and all. Oh, I love this. I love women. You've been listening to the Funny Women Survival Guide, and I've been your host Alexis Strum. Thank you so much to Lauren Patterson and Elf Lyons, my two guests tonight, and to Kate Stone for joining us from the Funny Women team. And we had a lovely chat. It went on for really quite a long time. I had to edit this one down actually because we just we just really hit it off and had a great chat. And hopefully that will come through in the, the uh, recording that you're listening to now. I'm afraid. Sorry. Spoiler alert. This isn't all put out live, guys. <laughs> anyways thank you for listening thank you for supporting the show keep um keep the reviews coming in you know we just want to hear what you're enjoying about the show any feedback's great for us maybe there's a guest you really want to hear on the show reach out reach out and touch faith isn't uh yeah anyways <laughs> don't sing alexis so if you want to find out more about funny women events that are coming up check out funnywomen.com and if you want to find out more about me check out the time I um and we shall see you next time stay funny and stay safe You've been listening to the Funny Women Survival Guide, and I've been your host, Alexis Strum. Thank you so much to our guests this week, Sam Baines and Anna Morris. And of course, thanks to Lynn Parker from Funny Women for joining us in the studio. Sam can be found on Twitter at Samantha Baines, and Anna can be found on Twitter at Anna Morris Comic with two R's in the middle. Action on Hearing Loss can be found on Twitter at Action on Hearing. And finally, let's get to some recommendations. So uh, future Funny Women Survival Guide guest, Emma Ciddy's amazing La Princesa de Woking is, um, (laughs) I hope I pronounced that right, is ready and waiting for you to get your teeth into on YouTube. And I also would recommend I May Destroy You by Michaela Cole, which is on BBC at the moment. Um, It's a drama about consent and it is just incredible. And in live comedy news, yes, that is still a thing. Hot off the press. Jason Manford is starting a brand new online comedy club. It starts next Thursday, the 25th of June. Tickets are available now at theweeklystandup.com. And you can also find them on Twitter at @weeklystandup_ In terms of Funny Women events, there are some regional Time of the Months coming up, as well as Have We Got Women for You on 30th of June. And you also have until August 28th to nominate your favourite comedy web series for the Funny Women Best Web Series Award. Find out more about all of these events via funnywomen.com. And finally, if you want to find out more about me, go to thetimeialmost.com and try and figure out what our future children will look like. Please subscribe, download, rate, review and share this podcast. Your ongoing support means so much to us. Thank you. Stay funny and stay safe.